Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell on yet another hump day, 12th of October. 2022. Man, I can't believe we're nearly in the middle of October, the 10th month of the year, and uh, before you know it, it's going to be Christmas. Before you know it, it's going to be 2023. So um, I reckon the older we get, the quicker time seems to speed up. So uh, welcome back, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the power of facilitation, and this will be called The Peaceful Warrior. Be the Peaceful Warrior. And if there's one thing that I absolutely love. And one of my greatest joys I have in what I do is facilitation. Yes, I do some training. Yes, I do some coaching. Yes, I do some mentoring. But what I love to do in front of groups and with groups is a thing called facilitation. Working with teams and helping them think through challenges, think through problems, overcome obstacles, maybe help them see things that perhaps are not there and arrive at an outcome which will propel them forward and lead to, as we always talk about on the podcast, sustainable and replicable results. Now, it's a privilege that I've got to uh, to be able to do that, and it's something that I've worked my absolute butt off over a number of years to get reasonably good at, and uh, I'm nowhere near where I need to be because I'm working with and have worked with a number of fantastic mentors who I consider to be world-class. And uh, one, of the, one of the lessons I've learned through that process is always surround yourself with people who are absolutely on top of their game and significantly more advanced than you because it actually challenges you to take your game to a whole new level. So, so to see some of these people take charge of a room, facilitate an outcome, and uh, and do it with such grace is, is just a wonderful, wonderful thing and something that I'm aspiring to. And the purpose of today's episode is one of the things I've actually recognized is as a sales leader, as a leader, often we need to play different roles. And one of the roles that we have the opportunity to play is that of a peaceful warrior. Now, it's not always the case that you have the answers as the leader, and it's not always the case that you should have the answer as a leader, but what we do have is the opportunity to be able to facilitate some conversations and place the onus back on the team to come up with the ideas, but you act as the guide to help them do that without necessarily putting on your imprimatur in terms of what you think the outcome should be. And I've I had the opportunity over the last uh, few days to do two sessions, two facilitation sessions. One late last week was running a session for a team where uh, I took them through a day of facilitation. There was a little bit of training in it, but a lot of it was facilitated. But yesterday I had the opportunity of working with a great group of people who in their own roles need to increase their level of facilitation. So we kind of did a facilitation day on facilitation skills, and it was a great uh, recap for me. It was a great opportunity to also work with a group of people who are wanting to hone their skills and significantly improve their capability in the facilitation space. And I thought, what better way to reflect on the importance of facilitation, but also start to embed some of the key principles that all of us, particularly as leaders, can take on board and, and have in our kit bag to be able to facilitate great outcomes. Now, what I really enjoyed about yesterday is I had a group of people who were hungry to improve their facilitation. Now, having said that, a lot of them hadn't done a huge amount of facilitation. Some had, and some were very experienced. 
But the great opportunity about uh, about doing that and working with a group of people like this is that there's lots and lots of questions that are asked, lots of curiosity that's that's brought to the table, which means we can delve really deeply into some topics that perhaps uh, if I was just doing a normal training or a normal presentation type program, wouldn't necessarily get uh, get the opportunity to do. So lifting the lid on some of the, I guess, principles of facilitation, but also explaining why things happen the way they happen and what sort of strategies I use when it comes to dealing with difficult people, managing dynamics, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not going to go into all of that detail today, but I, I thought as a sales leader, uh, we need to be better at facilitating outcomes because I often talk about the fact that, unfortunately, some leaders create environments of codependency where their team is dependent on them to come up with the answers, and the leader is dependent on the team to come to them for with questions so that they can provide them with the answers. The art of facilitation is to separate ourselves from the team insofar as not, uh, not wanting to uh, lead the witness, not wanting to be susceptible to any potential biases, and therefore not wanting to influence unduly the team in terms of the outcomes that you're wanting and therefore not not become their idea or their solution. So I wanted to just reflect on a few things today and and cover a few things and and one of them is to talk about what a facilitator is. And when you think about it, and this is by no means an exhaustive list, a facilitator is really a person who for many cases is not a member of the group. Now it's easy for me, for example, as an independent uh, person to come in and, and speak to an organization and work with a team because I don't, I'm not part of that particular business and I'm certainly not part of the team. That's not to say that as a leader, I couldn't go in and work with my sales team uh, and still have a level of independence. So it's, it's, a, it's a psychology thing. It's a mindset thing. Sometimes this is a challenge because uh, for all intents and purposes, you might find yourself wanting to jump in and provide an answer. And they're the times when we need to step back and create the space and allow others to, I guess, experience the level of discomfort because that's where the answers are going to come from. So first and foremost, ideally, the facilitator is not a member of the group. The other thing with a, with a facilitator is they need to be content neutral. Uh, so that is not having any biases, not having, having any sort of ulterior motive, being removed from the content and just allowing the content to flow as it will flow. Also having no content decision-making authority or input. Again, it means separating yourself from the group and allowing the group to come up with the ideas, allowing the group to have the conversations, maybe asking some questions, and you can certainly guide, but certainly not giving answers is is what a facilitator does really well. Also, the facilitator needs to be acceptable to all members of the group. Now, if you're a sales leader or a leader of the team, hopefully your team uh, believes you're a good leader and therefore you are acceptable to the group automatically. But what this points to, uh, to be acceptable to the members of the group, it needs to be you've got a level of trust that has been uh, created and enables you to have that level of credibility, which I'll talk about some of the qualities that great facilitators need to have in order to get great outcomes. The other thing a facilitator does is they're a person who diagnoses and intervenes in a group. I've seen so many sessions where a facilitator has been overrun by more dominant personalities in a group and they haven't got the outcomes. The facilitator needs to be the one, and I, and I talked about this to the group yesterday, thinking about and asking them the question, who is the least important person in the room versus who is the most important person in the room? And it confused some of them a little bit, but at the end of the day, I said the answer to the question is, the facilitator is both the least important person, but also the most important person. They are the least important person insofar as 
it's not about them, it's all about the team, and therefore they're not going to be biased or influenced by their own uh, own thought processes or their own ideas, but also they're, they're the most important person in the room because they're the ones that control the process. They're the ones that have to call behavior. They're the ones that have to keep people on track. They're also the ones that have to control the time because one of the greatest challenges with facilitation is sometimes it can go well over uh, time and it can go well off the reservation but a great facilitator will always bring it back on track and will always finish within the time that's been allocated. The other thing with a facilitator is they're a person who helps improve the process around problem solving. Because they're content neutral, they're not really wedded to the actual content. What they are good at though is creating a process which the team can follow. So they don't need to know the topic. And one of the challenges yesterday with some of the team members was, I guess, their concern about not knowing, uh, not having a level of knowledge or not enough knowledge around the topics that they are facilitating. I said, well, you need to know a little bit in so far as just the language and maybe some of the, the key acronyms and so forth and get some context. But you've got to rely on the people who are in the room who you're going to be facilitating. They are the subject matter experts. Our job is to put a process in place so that they can focus on that content follow the process we step out and get them to get an outcome that they are looking for. So that's the, the key thing. So that, that's what a facilitator does. Now, it's also important to think about and consider when is facilitation most appropriate versus when is it least appropriate to do. And there will be circumstances where perhaps a facilitation kind of conversation is not necessarily going to be appropriate. So I'll talk about that in a sec. But first and foremost, facilitation is appropriate when you want to encourage group motivation, when you want to encourage commitment, and when you do, want to develop a level of team confidence. So it's all about getting people rallying around a cause and making sure that as a facilitator, we also get everybody to be involved as much as possible. What will happen, and you'll know this if you've been facilitating for a little while, and at least you're running, running sessions for your sales team, there will be people who sometimes will dominate the conversation, and then there'll be others that are more than happy to sit back. The role of the facilitator is to try and encourage as many people as possible to make a contribution and have those people feel valued by making that contribution, which means we've got to create the space for them to do that. So if you want to encourage group motivation, group involvement, group commitment, facilitation is a fantastic avenue to do that. It's also appropriate when you want to leverage group knowledge, experience, and particularly diversity. Now, as a sales leader, I never believed and I never thought that I had the answers and nor should I have all the answers. And this is one of the challenges that many sales leaders, particularly if they're relatively new to the game, fall, fall a bit foul of, and that is they think they have to know more than their team. And I share often stories that when I became a sales leader, one of the, one of the people in my team actually had more than 20 years uh, more experience than I had in sales and had also been my very first sales mentor when I joined the sales ranks uh, a number of years beforehand. So the the fact that this person had a lot more knowledge than me, a lot more experience than me, I could have quite easily been a little bit threatened by that. But I, I, I recognize that, hey, this is an opportunity to tap into the person's knowledge and their experience and also their level of credibility to help lift the whole caliber of the team. So facilitation, if you want to leverage that, it's a great way to do that because it makes people feel really important. And particularly if you've got people who love to share information, love to share their experiences, if you can facilitate that, not only do you get great outcomes, but in the process, you enable that person to shine as well and they feel fantastic, not only about themselves, but also just think about the level of credibility that you are growing because you've let them shine as well. The next one around where facilitation is most appropriate is when there is potentially more than one answer to a particular question or when there is more than one side 
to a story. Now, if you think about it, going into a conversation, a facilitator will have no preconceived ideas or no predetermined outcome that they have in mind. They will have an outcome and they might have like a big aspirational view of, hey, we need to come up with a set of values or we need to come up with a solution to a particular problem, but they not, will not be wedded to a particular solution or a particular set of values. They know there's going to be people who have multiple different experiences and multiple different perspectives that we need to draw out because when that gets drawn out, there's a very high probability of achieving an outcome that none of us thought was possible at the beginning. And it's only through that process that you actually find out that there are more opportunities that are probably available to us than we first thought. The next one is uh, facilitation is appropriate when the person in power, i.e. like the leader, wants to just be a participant. Now, one of the things I've seen many times and one of the challenges is if a like a senior executive comes into a facilitated session and they've got their direct, second direct and third direct reports in the room, unless that leader has created a level of credibility and is trustworthy, often just their presence will actually stifle the the opportunities that many people in that room will feel that they can share or explore. And sometimes people are treading on eggshells because of the senior executive being in the room. Now, if this is done well, then the senior executive can be a person who is just considered to be an equal, and which means they have to act as an equal, which means they take their leadership hat off and they walk into the room and they become a participant. So that, that is a great way if you are looking at facilitating, particularly your team, if you want to facilitate sessions uh, and you want to be a participant, facilitation is a great way to do that. Also, when you want to learn about groups processes or challenge an inefficient process, facilitation is fantastic. And probably the biggest one, and I spent a bit of time talking about this yesterday, is when you see that there's potentially some psychological blocks that exist that really need to be addressed um, in an issue and that's stopping people from moving forward facilitation is a great way because it enables people to take a step back to think about things maybe from a different perspective. As long as a facilitator can create some space for that to be explored, it's very often a great way to remove some of those psychological barriers that often exist in, uh, in teams and uh, often exist in leaders as well. So there's some of, the, some of the reasons as to why facilitation or where facilitation is most appropriate. Obviously, the flip side of that is there's some of the, some of the times when it's not appropriate and uh, where, where one of the biggest ones where it's not appropriate is if you're just applying lip service to this, when you really think that the only way that this process or this can be improved or the challenge can be overcome or the problem can be solved is through some form of leadership intervention or some form of administrative um, adjudication, then there's no point having a facilitation because there's almost a predetermined outcome anyway. So if you run a facilitation session, it's really going to just be lip service. The other one is also is when, when the goal of the session is simply to inform a group, so it's an information transfer, this becomes a presentation. It's not a facilitation. So don't, don't pretend it to be a facilitation if the goal is simply to inform and also if there's, also, if there's a predetermined outcome. And probably the last one is if there's a crisis situation, and a, and a key example of that is if you're in a network organization and the network goes down, uh, and quick decisions need to be made, there is no time for facilitation. You just need quick action. Where facilitation does become really practical and really effective in that situation is when you're doing the post-incident review because what you'll be looking for is gathering information from different perspectives to try and identify where the root cause was and you bring in some problem-solving techniques. 
as well. So a number of things to consider there. And one of the other key things we need to be really conscious of as a facilitator, and this is something we really delved into yesterday, is getting really clear on what are the qualities of a great facilitator, but also thinking about what is the facilitator actually responsible for. Because remembering, they have to be very, very neutral. So first of all, the facilitator needs to help the group achieve the goal. There's nothing worse than getting to the end of the session and people in the audience or people in the team have actually walked away having achieved absolutely nothing because the facilitator was ineffective because they didn't know how to get people to arrive at a certain outcome which means they didn't necessarily have a great process to follow. So a facilitator is responsible for designing a process that's going to be really effective and for keeping them on track. They're also responsible for being consistent with core values. So that could be setting up ground rules or it could be some unwritten rules that the facilitator abides by, and that is driving consistency and driving accountability throughout that particular session. They need to make sure that when group members have acted inconsistently, they identify that. Now, it's not necessarily doing an intervention per se, but it's actually making sure that people are aware of what the expectations are and so their contributions need to lead to the outcome that the team is wanting to deliver and we can't let people go rogue and uh, making sure that uh, that, is, uh, that is kept in, tra- in check, which essentially means that the facilitator needs to drive accountability. Now, one thing to be really conscious of is the facilitator is not responsible for what the group actually decides. So they're not responsible for the content, hence they need to be content neutral, but they are responsible for the process of how the group decides. And the other thing to think about as a facilitator, and this has happened many times, when there's a level of frustration, it's really important that we stick to the core values of facilitation and we maintain our credibility. And that is not giving them the answer, not leading the witness, because if you lead the witness and they get an outcome, They might think it's theirs, but at the end of the day, there's going to be somebody within the group that's going to look back on that and say, you know what, that's not the outcome that we ideally were looking for, and we were unduly influenced, unfortunately, by the facilitator. So as we wrap up this particular episode, I'll just leave you with the four key qualities of an effective facilitator. Now, whether you're a a trained facilitator, whether you're looking at doing some of these for your groups, whether you're looking at doing this for your own team, uh, keep these four key qualities in place. And it stands to reason when you hear these, these are very, very logical. But the question is, do we actually maintain these at all times? So the first quality is being trustworthy. How do we do that? Well, we need to be impartial. We need to be objective and not collude with members of the group and certainly not show favoritism. So we need to remove ourselves from, I guess, any biases that might exist within the group and be have a level of trust that we are going to follow a process and guide the team through a process and that you'll have their best intentions at heart. Now, also, that means we've got to be neutral, which means we can't allow our own views to influence the group and therefore obstruct the group from being uh, properly informed or at least exploring the opportunities that lay in front of them. So there's there's nothing wrong with giving them some guidance. There's nothing wrong with giving them some suggestions, but they're kind of what if sort of statements. But what is wrong with that is is uh, colluding and uh, influencing unduly based on your own biases, your own interpretation, what you think the outcome should be. So maintaining a level of neutrality is critically important. We also need to be curious. So curiosity as a facilitator is a fantastic trait because it means that we need to maintain an open and a curious mind. And one of the challenges with one of the participants yesterday was this particular individual found that really challenging because they were doing so much preparation and it was almost like they had a predetermined outcome for their facilitated sessions and the challenge for that person was to remove the need to have all the information and move into 
a session with not as much information. It might be really, really uncomfortable. You may not know what the outcome is going to be, but just have a level of curiosity and trust the gut that you'll actually get the team to move through a particular process through asking some really good questions, some curious-based questions, but also creating a space to allow people to sit in a sea of discomfort because that, for many people, is a challenge. And one of the biggest challenges around that level of discomfort is the level of silence that might exist within any team environment. So being curious is a fantastic trait. And the last one is being assertive. Highly effective facilitators have the assertiveness gene in spades. The facilitator is there to challenge obstacles to thinking, but also challenge obstacles to any process. We talked about before the psychological barriers that might exist in, in teams. A great facilitator will use the assertiveness gene to actually overcome and help people work through those particular psychological blocks and move through the boundary conditions that might exist. They're also there as a facilitator to confront behavior of group members. So one of the things we always talk about is if we do not handle difficult customers and if we do not handle difficult people within our team, and certainly as a facilitator, if we don't handle difficult individuals within that team, we're basically saying that behavior is okay. And when it comes to feedback, we always make sure that we're confronting the behavior. We're not necessarily confronting the individual. But a great facilitator will make sure that they are confronting the behavior and dealing with that, not necessarily dealing with the individual person per se, because it's not about what they think about that person. It's simply looking at what is the behavior this person is demonstrating that may be obstructing others from participating and making informed decisions. And this can, can include, there are people who are quite dominant, there are people who are quite negative, but also it can actually include people who are non-participative. And this is sometimes the most challenging one. So as a facilitator, our job is to encourage as much as we can and drive some accountability that every single person is valued, every single person is worthy of being heard, and every single person needs to understand that their job is to make a contribution. So there's some things to think about around facilitation. It's a fantastic uh, topic. And I'll wrap this up by saying, if we do all these really well, whether you're a facilitator, facilitating things outside of your own team, or whether in fact you want to actually start facilitating some ideas and get some get some things happening within your team, think about some of these qualities. Think about sometimes where it's appropriate to facilitate, sometimes where it's not. But the overriding message is, in order to do that, we become the peaceful warrior. That is, we keep the peace. We actually create an environment where people feel comfortable making a contribution uh, without fear of retribution or criticism. But also, we are the warrior because we're going to drive the accountability. Because ultimately, we need to get an outcome. Not only to drive the team forward, but ultimately to drive the business forward to achieve those results which become sustainable, but also replicable, which is what we are all about at the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. So I hope that message makes sense and is of value to you and that you can use some of these things when you next have the opportunity to have a conversation and maybe facilitate a session with your team or even perhaps a team that is not your direct reports. Use some of these things and you'll find that the outcomes may actually be quite positive indeed. So with that said, if you'd like some help with this and when you are ready to take your leadership to an exceptional level and in fact, if you need some help with your sales team or in fact your team to help them drive more sustainable, more replicable and certainly more consistent results, love to have the opportunity of working with you one-on-one or working with your team. To do that, simply go to leadwithdarren.com. Pick your time, we'll have a chat about where you're at, where your team's at. We'll put a plan together and start executing that plan or if you do not want to go to leadwithdarren.com, simply send me a text to 0412-33-5544. Trying to remove all the barriers to make it easier for people to contact me. I love having conversations. 
Really enjoying the feedback from the podcast, but also loving taking on and working with some fantastic new clients. So you could be the next ideal client. There is room for one or two others as we move forward into the back end of October. So if that's you, hey, let's have a conversation and see where it goes. So with that said, thank you once again for plugging into the podcast and look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.